Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. From KQED. When you drive around the tiny town of Colma, just south of Daly City, you can't help but notice a certain redundancy to the scenery. Tombstones. A florist. More tombstones. Another florist. Hollywood is known for its movies, Detroit for its cars, and Colma, it's dead. And all this death got Concord listener Kathy Coleman to ask, I was wondering what had happened in the past to preserve Colma for cemeteries. Nearly three quarters of this 2.2 square mile town is zoned for cemeteries. There are 17 of them in total, making Colma the last place you want to be when the zombie apocalypse goes down. This is the Bay Curious Podcast, where we answer your questions about the Bay Area each week. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Today, we're unearthing the tale of Colma. Now, this episode first aired in 2017, but if you've heard it before, you're going to want to stick around anyhow. We updated the ending to highlight some of the notable people buried in Colma, and we'll share their remarkable stories. Don't go away. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Here's reporter John Brooks to tell us how Colma became a necropolis. People are just dying to get into Colma. Okay, that's an old joke. But the fact is, the Colma dead far outnumber the living. It's 1,431. 1,431 of the living. It's above ground residents, we call them. This is Pat Hatfield of the Colma Historical Association. And we have maybe a million and a half underground residents. She and a lot of other above ground citizens are proud of the town's reputation as a necropolis. We're the only city in the world that was incorporated just to preserve and protect our dead. 
How did this happen? How did Kalma become this gathering spot for the dead? Turns out you can't understand Kalma without first looking at what happened, dead people-wise, in San Francisco. I'm standing in the Mission Dolores Cemetery in San Francisco. Believe it or not, this is the only cemetery on San Francisco land. There's another one on federal ground in the Presidio. It wasn't always this way. San Francisco used to be full of dead people. In the gold rush days, dating back to the 1850s and 1860s, they had decided to build cemeteries uh, in the western part of the city where nobody would ever want to live. San Mateo County historian Michael Swanovic is the go-to guy when it comes to Bay Area cemeteries. And as a result, around Lone Mountain, approximately where the University of San Francisco is today, four cemeteries, huge cemeteries, uh, were created. By the 1880s, this constituted between 60 and 70 square blocks. Where the Legion of Honor stands today used to be the site of another huge cemetery. But as San Francisco's population grew rapidly, there were new demands on the land. People were building homes on all sides of the cemeteries. Streetcars had to navigate around these islands of the dead to bring living residents to work and back. All that's to say the cemeteries were becoming prime real estate. People in San Francisco looking for homes, looking for business places, said this land is too valuable for the dead. And there was a growing crescendo to evict the bodies. In the 1880s, newspapers ran headlines like Cemeteries must go. Cemeteries bar to progress. Bodies exposed. Cemeteries grim. Hoodlumism rampant. There were also weird concerns about living next to dead folks. Some thought that if they inhaled the winds that blew over crowded cemeteries, they could contract malignant throat illnesses. In 1901, San Francisco banned all new burials within city limits. With fewer visitors and no new income, San Francisco cemeteries quickly fell into ruin. Statues and gravestones were toppled. Valuable bronze doors and private mausoleums were stolen. College fraternities would have parties in there. They would break into the mausoleums and often take out a casket or the remains of a person. Children would find a skull and actually play soccer with it out there. San Francisco cemetery associations needed new land where they could bury bodies. So they looked south, purchasing large plots of Colmas farmland. It was a wise move. Because in 1914, San Francisco told the cemeteries they had to remove the bodies and get out of town. Cemetery operators wanted a place where their businesses wouldn't be disrupted again. So in 1924, they incorporated the Colma area to make a necropolis. Over 100,000 bodies were exhumed and moved from San Francisco to Colma, many to mass graves. The process went on for years. But some of the bodies never made that move. They missed a lot of the bodies. This is University of San Francisco historian Alan Zyka. Every time there's been a major excavation on the main campus to put up a new building, they have inevitably come across remnants of the cemetery. In 2011, we began excavating. They came across about 55 coffins. I think it was about 29 skeletons, several skulls. Remains from old cemeteries have been found lots of places in San Francisco. That includes over 700 bodies unearthed during construction at the Legion of Honor in 1993. Someone who used to work there told us there were definitely ghosts in the museum. We could not confirm that story. 
But all this leads to the question, are the dead safe, even in coma? Will their final resting place really be their final resting place? I want to say coma is safe. But I've noticed that since 1970, the largest auto rose south of San Francisco is in coma. They have a home depot in coma. Uh, At one point, a portion of Green Lawn Cemetery was cut away to make a movie theater. I can stand in cemeteries in coma today and hear a PA system saying, your car is ready to be picked up in service. But for now, at least, coma is still a haven for the dead. Where your remains should remain. That was reporter John Brooks. You can find some pretty remarkable photos of those graveyards in San Francisco being exhumed at baycurious.org. We'll put a link in our show notes, too. Now on to a second question about Colma that comes to us from Bay Curious listener Eliza Tara. She asks, who are some of the famous people buried in Colma? We tapped our intern, Sebastian Migno Buccelli, for this one. He recently moved to Colma, so is one of those above-ground residents we just talked about. So the first time I got my hair cut in Colma, my barber asked me how I like living around so many dead people. When I said, I like the peace and quiet, he started wondering out loud if any famous people are buried here. So Eliza's not the only person wondering about this question. I called Michael Zivanovic back up. Remember, he's the local historian and the go-to guy in Colma's dead. The two most visited uh, tombs in Colma are uh, Emperor Norton and Joe DiMaggio. That's Emperor Norton, the San Francisco icon who proclaimed himself as the first emperor of the United States. He's been loved for his oddball costumes, kindness, and spirit of tolerance. Another famous grave people like to visit is baseball great Joe DiMaggio. He was born in North Beach and played for the San Francisco Seals before signing with the Yankees. Joe DiMaggio and Emperor Norton get all the attention, but I wanted to focus on a different baseball great. You see his name all over Giant Stadium. Can you guess it? Lefty O'Doul. O'Doul grew up in San Francisco, and he played in the major leagues in the 20s and 30s. He was a big hitter, and he played for the New York Giants. O'Doul eventually moved back to San Francisco, and he became the most successful manager in Pacific Coast League history. He managed the San Francisco Seals, when Joe DiMaggio was coming up. But his legacy extends way beyond the Bay Area. Lefty O'Doul is alleged to have introduced baseball to Japan, and he's just a very much revered person over there. Michael says Japanese students visiting Koma often make a point of finding O'Doul's grave. And on the marker is a marble baseball bat and a baseball built into the, the monument itself. You may have heard of Joe DiMaggio, or even the newspaper mogul William Randolph Hearst, who is also buried in Colma. But Michael's true passion is for the stories of local people history forgot, like Lincoln Beachy, a stunt pilot. He was considered the finest aviator in the United States and the greatest daredevil. Beachy was famous for a stunt called The Suicide Dive. He would fly his plane as high as he could, and he cut the engine. The plane hurtles towards the ground, and just before smashing himself to smithereens, Beachy would turn on the ignition and pull out of the dive. Beachy even performed his trick at the 1950 World Fair in front of a crowd of 50,000 fans. 
He flew high in the sky and he cut his engine one last time. Except as he dove toward the water, his engine failed. He couldn't turn it on and he crashed into the shallows. This is right across from Marina Green. If you're looking for Lincoln Beachy's gravestone in Cypress Lawn Memorial Park, look for an engraving of a biplane. His fellow daredevils chipped in for it after the accident. Coma isn't just a place for local celebrities. It's a resting place for everyday people, too. And some of them have become famous, even when they didn't want to be. Like Betty Ong. Betty was a flight attendant aboard the United Airliner that went into the Twin Towers. Betty grew up in San Francisco's Chinatown. She was the one who called in the hijacking to headquarters and stay on the line, relaying details until she lost contact. They never found her body, but they did recover one of her shoes. Her family buried that shoe at Cypress Lawn Memorial Park in memory of her sacrifice. Wow, I didn't know about some of those folks. Thanks for looking into this, Sebastian. While we're talking about Colma, there is something I've always wondered. Will we ever run out of space to bury people there? Michael Zivanovic doesn't think so. He says there's enough space to continue burying people in Colma for at least a century. Colma cemeteries are already buying up more land to expand if they need to. How can people find the graves of folks that we talked about in this piece, like Emperor Norton, Joe DiMaggio, Lincoln Beachy, and the others? I put together a little map of some of the most famous grave sites. So check it out at baycurious.org. All right. Bay Curious intern Sebastian Mino Bicelli, thanks so much. No worries. Thanks to our two question askers, Kathy Coleman and Eliza Terra. Hey, and Sebastian's barber, too. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at member supported KQED. Our show is produced by Katrina Schwartz, Brendan Willard, Sebastian Mino Bicelli, and me, Olivia Allen Price. I'll see you next week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.